the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our three. It's a delight to have with us Brandon Weikert. You can follow him. He's back up on Twix, Twitter X, We the Brandon. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Also a senior editor over at 1945.com where he writes up uh, a lot and a lot about what's going on right now. Brandon, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. And w- welcome well, thanks back for to having Twix. Me. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm back only because uh, Michael Walsh at the pipeline told me, I hired you because you're, you have a large presence. I need that social media presence. Yeah, sure. And I said, okay, I'll come back. Good. I'm glad you did. And uh, it's good to see Town Hall picking up some of our conversations as well here and there. It looks so, like it. Yeah. 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 I hope I'm not making you look bad. No, quite the contrary. <laughs> uh, quite the contrary. Uh, you make us all smarter, Brandon. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank well, you. Well, there's a lot of debates and, I, you know, th- about what's going on um, with Israel and um, and Gaza. And then, of course, the uh, the adjunct countries and the uh, from Iran to Lebanon, Syria, including the West Bank, as well. And a lot of it is getting us and taking us back to discussions of just war theory. Uh, the candidates right. are all kind of weighing in. Um, your piece, I'll, I'll just let you go, Brandon, on us. Israel must not be restrained. <laughs> They published that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So basically, and I saw that Michael Rubin, our friend, yeah, I saw who that. also yeah, writes, right. I saw that he also sort of was highlighting the same thing. Yeah. No coordination on our end. I, I mean, I'd love to have more coordination with him. But, you know, basically in the, in the piece, what I was saying is that, um, you know, it's ridiculous. Within 72 hours of Israel's 9-11, the United States and the rest of the Western powers were siding with Russia and China and demanding that uh, Israel, which is the victim, not retaliate and not respond, that peace is the answer. And of course, no other country, regardless of their system or what part of the world they're in, no other country would be restrained in this way. And uh, it doesn't help anybody. It certainly doesn't help Israel. But it also doesn't help the United States, not just because we're linked to Israel through an alliance, but because the enemies that Israel is now fighting is the same enemy that we're fighting. And when Israel is restrained and prevented from destroying our shared enemy, it actually emboldens those enemies and it actually weakens the United States. And so this is foolhardy. And it's and let's face it, there's a lot of anti-Semitism here, and I don't like going into that side of things too much, but but I can't understand other than say it's anti-Semitism because the left never said this about Ukraine. They never say this about their preferred pet nation or cause. They don't say this about Gaza. They say, hey, you know, this was justified is what they say, which is insane, of course. 
So this is anti-Semitism. It's anti-Americanism. It's self-loathing by the West, which is self-destructive. Nicholas Kristof at the New York Times has a piece titled, We Must Not Kill Gazan Children to Protect Israel's Children. Does he understand who directs what at what as between these two combatants? No, you know, Kristof is like all these other, you know, well-coiffed, well, you know, pampered elites. They have absolutely no comprehension or understanding of the real world. Um, and frankly, you know, he's hiding behind Gazan children no better than the, the Hamas terrorists are. All these liberals in Manhattan and in California, they're all using Gazan babies as human shields, rhetorically speaking, because, you know, no, where was the concern for the Israeli babies that were beheaded by the hundreds? Uh, that's the thing that happened. And it's contrary to what some on the isolationist right are saying that actually happened. That's what Hamas did. Where's the concern for the toddlers who were rounded up from their kibbutz? Their parents were murdered, and then they were taken as hostages, three-year-olds. What possible leverage point could a three-year-old offer to Hamas other than, you know, uh, uh, you know a gratification of violence? And there's Kristoff and others in the New York Times shamefully trying to now say, okay, Israel, you don't have a right to respond because the poor children. Well, you know what? The Palestinian Authority should be forcing their people out of these war zones. The Israelis has given, the Israeli Defense Force has given more than ample enough warning time for the Palestinian innocents to move out. But you know what was just reported? That Hamas and the Fatah and these other Islamic Jihad groups and whatever they're all preventing Palestinian refugees from seeking safe ground because, of course, they want Palestinian dead. They want their own people to be murdered because that will give them greater levels of press. Idiots like Kristoff and The New York Times will then carry water for the blood-soaked terrorists like they always do. That's not an overstatement. I'm looking at his last three op-eds, excuse me, his last four op-eds. He goes from September 30th, why unions are good for America, debatable, to October 11th. The U.S. bungled its response to 9-11. Let's hope Israel moves forward with greater wisdom. Is that what you want to be writing on October 11th? His October 14th piece is um, destroying Gaza won't solve anything. And then, of course, this one, uh, we must not cause, uh, we must not kill Gazan children to protect Israel's children. In other words, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's interesting when all their writing and all their writing is exclusively dedicated to protecting the people who committed the atrocities and the people who voted for the people who committed the atrocities. And, you know, of course, of course, war is horrible. Of course it is. But maybe a word if you're going to go in that direction, maybe a word for the atrocities. Yes, yes. Uh, it's you know the the it is your typical left wing anti American claptrap on display. And what's really sinful is that all of these publications somehow are still in existence when they've done nothing but empower America's enemies. Whether it was the Soviets, whether it was you know Al Qaeda or whatever, this is what they do. They empower China. Yes. Max and eloquent. 
about um, you know how 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 the the Russians Oops. now they hate the Russians. Yep. But you know these people are not our friend. The the, the 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 New York Times editorial board is probably one of the greatest threats to democracy in the history of our country. I remember. I mean, this goes back. <coughs> excuse me. This goes back a long ways, and I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to consider. Uh, a big story or a Pulitzer Prize winning story from the New York Times or, for that matter, the Washington Post, where they released something uh, of our enemies, classified or confidential from our enemies that they discovered, uh, as opposed to when they released something classified or confidential right. about us or our allies. I can't remember that example, to be honest with you. And it right. goes back well, a long ways uh, to that, um, you know, Peter Jennings discussion on that Fred Friendly seminar from the 1980s about, you know, if you found information that would be harmful to the United States troops in Vietnam, I think was the discussion at the time, just because that was the most recent conflict at the time, would you uh, disclose it to the troops? Uh, or if you were embedded, would you keep it confidential? They saw no reason to disclose it to the troops. They are not invested in, they do not care about force protection or the protection of their country. They just don't. They don't also because they go after the Americans because at the end of the day, as all of us are. We have a. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly bad connection there. I'm wondering if we might just be able to call you right back. Would that be okay? Can you hear me? Yeah, you can call me right back. Yeah, we'll call you right back. No problem. And I'll take us to a break with just a few comments on this along the way. What we'll pick up with Brandon on the other side of the break is uh, the story that has been well-released now uh, with video proof over the place I'm looking at is Daily Mail. A few other places have it, uh, where we now have satellite imagery uh, that shows uh, that Hamas has um, launched uh, pit, has uh, launch pits dug into the ground right next to civilian structures, civilian structures being a mosque, uh, being a kindergarten. Uh, one is across the road from a U.N. building in Gaza, and uh, a fourth was located opposite a, so- a secondary school for boys. That would be a high school uh, for boys. So you see them bearing and loading uh, weapons and missile, cache- missile caches right there, right amongst U.N. buildings, schools, and hospitals. We now have satellite imagery of this as if we needed it. We have it. Will it convince anyone in the Christophian world that's upside down and has misprioritized their morality? I don't know. We'll talk to Brandon about that when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest, contributing editor at 1945.com, author of several books. Follow him on Twitter, X, at we the Brandon. Uh, Brandon, I was just saying uh, before the break that there is now uh, satellite evidence that is being reported. I'm looking at the Daily Mail uh, people can probably find it elsewhere. There is now satellite evidence showing that Hamas has um, has launch pits, missile launch pits, dug next dug in next to civilian structures, including a kindergarten, including a mosque, including a high school for boys. Um, the The geolocation of these images is beyond dispute that Hamas is doing this. Um, both as strategy and tactic. This mm-hmm. is, if you want to talk war crimes, this is a standard and traditional war crime to use civilian structures and civilians as shields of war. Yes, and yet, uh, you know, our friends at the New York Times editorial board 
are going to sit there and, and weep about the poor Palestinian children without ever pointing out that it is their own so-called government that is putting them in this jeopardy. Yes. Not Israel. Yeah. It's, the, it's Hamas, the, the duly elected leadership in Palestinian Gaza Strip. That's who's the problem. But where is the New York Times on this? Nowhere to be heard. It's all about Israel. How dare you? Don't do this. It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. You know, I, uh, Brandon, I have to ask, too, you know, um, the nature of war. I mean, the nature of war is obviously awful. There's 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 no good word for it. And there's and there's really no good war. But there are just wars. And um, and 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 I just I just worry about misplaced compassion. I was at a dinner the other night where uh, a conservative speaker, a so-called conservative speaker, was saying that in his Bible, nowhere does it say it's okay to kill innocents and children. He wasn't talking about Hamas. He was talking about <laughs> Israel. And I, well, I, I just find it, frankly, uh, perverse. I don't think he's read the Bible. I don't think he's read the Bible, well, then. I, okay. I mean, because, I mean, if we're going to go to biblical, remember what... Uh, what we did, what the God commanded be done to the Ishmaelites. Well, uh, you know, and that's the that's our Arab friends, and I'm not condoning, you know, slaughtering on Moss, but I mean, let's get real. The Bible's very clear, and so if he wants to go in that direction, you know, he should really reread the book that he's quoting. Well, there is a time for war and a time for peace, obviously, also, and it, I, right. I just I don't know. I mean, I literally. For as much as I think I know, I don't know what you expect a country to do after an attack like this. I just don't well, I, know what you, you expect. Know, Turning the other cheek know, is what the enemy wants, not, I don't think right. in this case, what God wants, that's to be honest well, with especially, you. especially, can you even apply, I mean, do you even apply, I, well, I shouldn't even say that, but the, the point is, is that, you know, I think it was Ralph Peters who wrote this 20 years ago. Basically, he said... Uh, you know, when talking about war, you're going to have to pay the butcher's bill. Yeah. Do you want to pay it up front or do you want to pay it on the back end with compound interest? Right. Every time that a country goes to war, democracy in particular, and it tries to tie its hands and tries to, you know, have it both ways, it ends up not only not being combat effective and having a strategic defeat, but it also ends up losing many more than it would have. Look at World War II, Seth. World War II, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers got in there and did what needed to be done. They knew they were fighting evil, and they had to break the fever. And breaking the fever meant they were going to have to kill people. And we went in there, and we ended Nazism. Nazism is not a threat today in the form that it was because we were merciless in our application of violence. And now what I would argue, and I've said this before, and I, I get a lot of hate mail for this, but I'm not going to back down. They're going to have to cancel me. The Israelis need to come up with a plan for depopulating at least 80% of Gaza Strip. Get the Palestinian Arabs into Arab countries nearby. They cannot remain there because they have proven themselves to be unable or incapable of living in peace with their Jewish neighbors. Vivek Ramaswamy, um, ah. uh, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy has been on the um, on the uh, interview circuit in his quest for the presidency, using the line that Israel and U.S. support for Israel 
quoting him directly, is contingent on Israel identifying clear objectives for success. To my mind, Israel has declared and identified a clear objective, that is the eradication of Hamas. I just don't think Vivek or Vivek likes that or agrees with it. But that is an objective. As you just said, there was an objective in World War II, and it was stated by Franklin Delano Roosevelt to defend to, right. to defeat them to the and defend ourselves to the uttermost. Those were his right. words. That was I an mean, objective, and it was I mean, clear. Listen, listen. We were we were so committed to defeating fascism and Japanese imperialism that we dropped two nuclear devices on Japan. Okay, like like you know we're not we're not even like we're not even capable. I don't think of weighing in on those kinds of decisions today because of absolute idiots like Vivek Ramaswamy, who thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room, but he's actually nothing but a great big pump-and-dump scam artist. And now he's taking that pump-and-dump ideology that he perfected with his, you know, uh, you know his BS, uh, you know, medications. He's now taking that to the political realm. And, of course, the Republican Party is, for whatever reason, embracing his his lunacy, and it's, it's very unfortunate. Now, what he will say, uh, Brandon, is, look, I uh, speak this way because I think with all the problems the United States has right here at home, uh, what we don't need is to be dragged into another war. I have so many issues with that. Yeah, go ahead. That Yeah, start we're, there. We're already in it. Yeah. I mean, this is such a ridiculous statement. The, everything that's gone on in the Middle East in the last 70 years has been because of we have been involved. And so this idea that, oh, we're just going to now tag your it, well, guess what? There's such a thing as blowback. We pull out now, and we let Israel fall, because that's really what he's saying. Let's get clear. What he and that wing of the Republican Party are saying is Israel's on their own. Good luck and God bless. And Israel can't fight a three- or five-sided war on its own. That's ridiculous. And so... We're already involved. Iran is doing what they're doing to Israel because of America. They want to push the Americans out of the region by weakening and or destroying uh, our proxies in the region, which is Israel's one of them and the Sunni Arab states are the other. And so this whole notion that, oh, we're going to be able to, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. Well, I want to pick up as I go to break, Brandon, on this this thought of his concern articulated by others in our party, as you mentioned, uh, this thought that um, to further support Israel uh, could not only energize Iran uh, and Hezbollah, I think is in the face of the fact that they have already been at war with us for 40 years. He would say, well, it would further inflame them. I'd like your take on that when we come back. It seems to me to say that is to say little more than, well, we'll continue to allow them to hold our foreign policy hostage. That's what it sounds like. Um, But I'd like your thoughts. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He of 1945.com. His uh, books are Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He's probably working on five other books right now as well. Brandon, uh, the Ramaswamy point of view on this is that, okay, well, I understand that Iran has attacked us. Um, They only attack us 
because of our support for and our involvement in regions that are not our business. And it seems to me, it seems to me, Brandon, that that is to make the United States hostage in its own foreign policy, that unless we behave and do what Iran wants, they will attack us more. And it seems to me that this argument was never made throughout the entirety of the Cold War or the entirety of, you know, the Soviet Union uh, existence because we thought it was important to have alliances with countries that weren't in our region, say West Germany, say Poland, say the United Kingdom, say well, others. Well, actually, there were people at the time saying this in the West. They just were on the far left. Yeah. Now you've got Vivek, supposedly a Republican, now saying this for the, you know. Oh, no, right. you're right. There was a unilateral disarmament movement. It wasn't in yeah. the Republican Party, though. You're right about That's that. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, and we now are in a position where, um, you know, it is more critical than ever that the United States have a leadership role to help get us through this crisis in the Middle East. And unfortunately, not only do we have the very worst possible man in the White House, but we don't seem to have a very good cadre of people vying to replace him. Right. Um, because if, if Vivek is somehow representative of the new Republican Party, um, it's going to lead to absolute ruination and disaster, no different than the kind that Biden is leading us into. That's not to say we invade the Middle East like we did under George W. Bush. That's not going to work. I'm, in my book, The Shadow War, as you know, I have very clear outline for what is to be done. And Donald Trump put us on the right path with the Abraham Accords plus the maximum pressure campaign on Iran, Iran being the big threat in the region. If you can contain and constrain Iran's regional ambition, you prevent another world war. That's the one thing, though, that the Biden administration has not done. And it's the thing that apparently it sounds like if a Vivek Ramaswamy, God help us, were to become president, that he would not do either. We can all agree. We do agree. We've talked a lot about the problems we have in this country, and there are a lot of them. Um, and what 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 people who want to support Israel will say is we can walk and chew gum at the same time. What Vivek will say is, but right now we're doing neither, and he's right. We aren't chewing gum or whatever the other one is, walking. But that had nothing to do with this war. That had nothing to do with Ukraine. We weren't walking before Ukraine, whatever you think about it, or this war. These are two right. entirely different considerations. It does seem to me that we have a template. Donald Trump is one of them, and Ronald Reagan is one of them, that during That's their administrations, right. they could have robust foreign policies that kept our enemies at bay. In fact, in one case, defeated the Soviet Union without firing a shot, That's supplying right. supplying our allies heavily, however, right. and 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 revived the economy. We can walk That's and right. chew gum at the same time. It's the Democrats who want to do neither. That's right. That's right. And Vivek Ramaswamy also. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, the Reagan example, I know it's a tired one, but the reason we keep going back to it is because it's so effective. Right. So the Iranian, the Islamic Republic of Iran, basically is a mini Soviet Union in the Middle East. And a containment strategy coupled with strong deterrence via maximum pressure. That is how we will defeat Iran without ever having to repeat the mistakes of George W. Bush and the neoconservatives. But Biden doesn't want to do it. 
I don't think anybody like Ramaswamy wants to do it. We can't just walk away from the region because the region is the crossroads of civilization, and it's also a key hub for energy production and transition. And so we're going to have to always have some degree of presence there, maybe not to the level and extent we've had in the past, but we know that, for instance, China has a huge dependence on Middle East oil. It would be very foolish for us to completely abandon that region, if anything, because we want to have some leverage points over China for when the future soon crisis with China over Taiwan starts. And it should be by our say-so and not Iran's. Let me take I agree. A, you know, very good. Let me take a quick break and come right back to you. I want to talk to you. You're a man of letters, of advanced degrees in writing. I want to take your measure, get your sense of what the hell's going on on our college campuses when we come right back, if that's okay. Brandon Weichert Nothing is... good. Okay. Brandon <laughs> Weichert is my guest. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. He and I will be right back. Brandon Weichert is our guest, generous with his time, joins us most Mondays. Uh, Winning Space, The Shadow War, Biohacked, three of his books... You can follow him on Twitter at we, the Brandon. Um, kind of a difficult conversation, Brandon. Uh, I want to talk about the youth. I want to talk about the professoriate, and I want to talk about our college campuses. Um, I, I, you're, you, you, you spend a lot of time on college campuses. As I said before, you're a man of degrees. I don't mean to out you in any way that's inappropriate. I also think if it's okay, you'll allow me to say you're not a man of the Jewish faith. Um, no, I hope I'm not. Okay. Um, tell me what's going on here. With specifically related to Israel? Yeah, or, well, or, with what's going on on our campuses and the professoriate that thinks it's okay oh, well, to yell from the river to the sea. Yeah, so, and this was nothing new. I mean, I, I my college had Norman Finkelstein as a professor, yeah. so that should tell you how far DePaul, my, my undergrad, uh, my alma mater was, Um so uh, basically, the college campuses, with the exception of very few, um, have become completely annexed and co-opted by uh, the radical left. And this is now generation three or four of that movement to completely radicalize our youth and to turn our children against us. And we're now seeing this. If you send your children to college, particularly if you send them to liberal arts backgrounds, Um, they're going to come out, 99.9% chance they're going to come out as flaming leftists who basically are demon-possessed, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, They will be weaponized and propagandized all four years. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing good. I mean, we really need, the best thing to happen would be to forgive all student loans, and then that would crash the market for... (laughs) higher education, which is why I support complete student loan forgiveness, because it would completely destroy the market for colleges. And then we can hit the reset button and start from the ground up again, because that's the only way this thing is going to change. Because right now, the market is structured in such a way where these psychotics are being rewarded and we're sending our kids basically to the slaughterhouse, you know, every year. Um, I agree with you on the psychosis at our colleges. Uh, I think a lot of people were shocked to see, particularly in uh, Northern California, elementary school students marching down the hallways of their high schools yelling from the river to the sea. I think the rock goes much deeper than we think. They may not know what they're talking about. Let me put a fine point on it. From the river to the sea means zero Israel. It's not even the 1947 partition plan. Right. 
Well, well, basically, what you're what you're seeing is this is Hitler Youth on display. Okay. I mean, this is the sort of thing that the Hitler Jugend used to used to chant. Obviously, not about Israel because Israel wasn't really around back then, but about removing the Jewish element from the Reich. I mean, th- this is no different. And uh, you know, there's always been a deep-seated anti-Semitism embedded within not just Islamism, um, which itself is a derivation of you know Marxist-Leninism. Uh, but it's it's been deeply rooted inside and within uh, any kind of Marxist thought. They do not like Jews. Uh, the Soviet Union brutalized its Jewish population as badly as the Nazis did. Maybe it wasn't as well organized as the Nazi extermination was, but Jews in the Soviet Union were not treated all that great. Um, you know, the land of the pogrom. And so, you know, I, what you're seeing on display in campuses is the continuation of ideology that we imported at the turn of the 20th century, and it has been allowed to fester and rot the minds of three or four generations now of American youth, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. It's not going to get better anytime soon. I totally agree with you about that, and I think it is shocking that you have seen such quiet responses from too many administrators, whether they be high school principals, or college presidents, you know, I have to say um, that one of the things Ron DeSantis as governor of Florida understood well was the power of changing the public universities by using his power of That's appointment, right. right, for the Board of Regents. Right. That's um, right. I don't well, know another way to do it. 20 I, minutes north of me, so I know what's go. going on. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking it's about. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I don't think donors pulling back money at the college level is going to do it. But that could do something if more Republican well, governors certainly. stood up. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you're seeing billionaires now pull back from yeah. Harvard and I think Cornell and yeah. some of these Ivies. Yeah. That's going to do a dent. And you're seeing now also the, the places where a lot of these Ivy leaguers, at least, want to go work are now saying, wait a second, you signed a petition saying you're anti, you know, you're anti-Israel. We don't want to hire you. So there goes all those, you know, perfectly timed and well tailored academic CVs down the drain because you, you know, you're, you were a student at, at Harvard or whatever, and you stupidly signed one of those dumb petitions. Um, and, you know, you should pay the price for that. You know, it's very ironic, though, or, or, or very funny. The, the people who used to do all the canceling to people like me on campus are now being canceled themselves. And I can't say that I don't find some degree of schadenfreude uh, in it. But unfortunately, that's not enough. We need to collapse the educational market. And that's why I, I think a radical solution would be doing something where we did forgive student loans, because then what creditor would ever want to lend a uh, student loan again? Because they know they're never going to see it. That's a horrible mar- you know, business plan then. And so we could really destroy higher education and maybe force some kind of real change that would prevent the crazies from taking over, because right now it incentivizes the insane leftists who then educate our children not only to hate America, but to call for the extermination of the Jews. I think you put your finger on it, too, when you said stupidly. Uh, Adam Carolla was weighing in on the debate between Megyn Kelly and Candace Owens on this very issue. Should corporations hold this against these college students when they hire them as interns or later in life? And Adam made the point. He said... um, you can um, you can use all the uh, all the anti-Semitic justifications you want, but when students say these things and sign their 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 names to these kinds of statements, 
He says it goes beyond, maybe it goes beneath, it goes differently than anti-Semitism. He says it just tells me they have a 10-cent brain. Why would you ever hire anyone that stupid that thinks that way? Well, to be honest with you, almost every college student, in my opinion, has a 10-cent brain. I don't know how any of these kids are getting jobs. And, you know, I was just at a dinner last night in Naples, and we were talking about this. You know, customer service, for instance, has declined. The, 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 the ability for corporations to interact with their clients has declined measurably. Uh, their ability to not only interact but to offer some kind of useful assistance and explain what's going on has declined considerably across every industry. That's because the next generation is now graduating and getting jobs, and it turns out they're freaking idiots, mm-hmm. and they can't do the job. Mm-hmm. So set aside all the you know, genocidal mania and the anti-Americanism on a sheer competence level, not a single one of these students graduating from these colleges is capable or competent enough to do the jobs they're being asked to do. And things are more complex now, not less. And we have less complicated minds running very complex systems. And everything's falling apart now because of it. Brandon Weikert, thank you, as always, sir, so thank much. You. you betcha. Clear, strong. Right. I'll be back with a final thought. Portions of this show brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. They are good people that you not only have a great investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, they're active charitably in our community uh, because they believe that they are part of our community. And indeed, they are. They're headquartered here on Scottsdale Road in the 101. Uh, They encourage you to stop by and visit. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. You won't be asked to sign anything. But what they do have is a great investment in a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Should you be concerned about the volatility of the markets or possible recession or bank failures? And it's a portfolio with a lot of flexibility. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. And there is... um, no penalty uh, if you need, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. No fees on this secure collateralized portfolio from Y Refi. Check them out at yrefi.com. That's the letter Y, R E F Y.com. Or give them a call at 888 YREFI24. YREFI is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. 888-Y-REFI-24. You gave me a homework assignment today. You want me to watch a firing line, an old firing line? Uh, yes, I do want you to watch an old firing line if you have the time. Yes. Benjamin Netanyahu, as a young man, as a permanent uh, representative from Israel to the United Nations at the time, just after his brother was killed in a raid, mm-hmm. is speaking on the uh, a foreign view of terrorism, I believe the episode is called. So and that w- that raid was 1976. That was the um, that was the hijacking of the flight that ended up in Uganda mm-hmm. with Idi Amin and, and his brother Yoni Jonathan Yonatan was the only the only Israeli to die in that raid. Right, mm-hmm. that's right in that rescue mission. And you can't help but wonder if that's who made the uh, prime minister who he is today. Oh, it had to have that. Of course, of course, he started an anti-terrorism. Strength of character. Yeah, no, of course, he started an anti-terrorism institute in the 1980s called the Jonathan Institute, uh, on whose uh, board served Gene Kirkpatrick. Hey, uh, how about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But so 
anyway, a firing line with Benjamin Netanyahu? Yes, and within the first five minutes, and we'll report on this tomorrow, I hope, within the first five minutes, he is discussing a definition of terrorism and the clear and distinct difference between those who harm civilians on purpose for the sake of ideological goals and those who happen to, as in such cases of war, he gives a World War II example, Mm -hmm. uh, who happen to accidentally maim innocents in their search of ending evil. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. There's the famous Copenhagen bombing from the British. That's what he references. Oh, he was? He references it. Yeah. You know, when I lived in D.C., I lived near something called Fort McNair, named after Leslie McNair. He was killed by friendly fire. In the Normandy invasion. War is a terrible thing. It's not the most terrible thing, John Stuart Mill said. Not finding anything worth fighting for is worse. I'm Seth Leibson. He's David Dahl. And for Mr. Bill, God bless you all. Until tomorrow, class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 